Uh, we pray that you are pleased by our worship. And uh, I pray for Dr. John as he brings the uh, message today. And I pray that the words that he says bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read the first four verses there. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a history nerd. I love, I love studying about history. I love World War II especially. Um, and uh, one of my favorite shows is Band of Brothers. Uh, I, love, I love Saving Private Ryan. You know, if you've seen any of those, you know the scene where the Allied forces come and, and, and you know, to liberate Europe from Nazi control. And they pick uh, the beaches in France. You remember the name of that place? Anybody remember? Normandy. And if it wasn't for the uh, Allied invasion of Normandy, you know, the, 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 the Nazis didn't really know where it was going to come. And uh, wouldn't it be helpful for them to prevent that attack if they knew what, what, what place the Allied forces were going to invade? And uh, I was thinking about that this week when I started studying this passage in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, I don't think it's a, a, a coincidence um, that Ephesians chapter 6 closes with putting on your spiritual armor. When in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks about God's design for marriage. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about God's design for the family. Uh, this is kind of a conviction of mine. I think Satan's Normandy, Satan's Normandy is your family. And if we go through life... And we, aren't, we don't have our armor on, and we aren't pleading and praying for our, our, our family. He's going to just, he's out to seek, kill, and destroy. He, he hates God's idea of the family. He hates it. A couple weeks ago, I was reading an article about how the U.S. military, the, armed force, uh, the, the Air Force, uh, is teaching its cadets now to no longer refer to parents as mother and father, but as a caregiver. There is an attack on gender in this country. There is an attack on marriage in this country. You can't get to the point where you define yourself as a male, a female, a Christian, a, mo- a mother, a father. They want you to be citizen X. And if that's not an affront to the sovereign God of the Bible, who they say they hate, and then the next breath say doesn't exist, I don't know what is. And so this morning, I want to... Show us from God's word how, how Christians are to fight back. How we're to fight back. No, we aren't called to pick up arms and storm the capital. We are called to put on our spiritual armor and to pick up this sword right here. Right here. The one offensive weapon that you have. And we fight back by being strong in the Lord and the strength that the Lord provides. And, and this is how you fight back. You, you, you fight by the strength that the Lord gives you. You be the best daddy, the best husband, the best mother, the best wife that you can possibly be through the grace of, of God in your life. That's how you fight back. Because the, the battlefield is a battle for the next generation. It really is. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't have any kids and you don't want any kids and you're like, well, I'm going to check out. Uh, Can I ask you first, can you pray for my kids? Can you pray for these little ones back here? Can you pray for the workers that are back there? Secondly, you know, um, 
I tremble when I come to this topic because there is so much hurt in family. And so I know I'm going to be hurting people's feelings a little bit this morning by just talking about it. But can you pray for those families that are broken? And maybe, hey, if there's a, a young person that doesn't have a, a father or a mother, could you be a, a father figure to them, a, a mother figure to them? You know, there's that one more child table back there. That's only because Satan is, his, his, his attack is working in families in this country. And that's why there's a one more child booth back there. Because there's kids with no parents right now. You can, you can open up your home and be a, 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 a family that fosters. That shows that, a, that, that God is the God of, uh, to the fatherless. Maybe you, you, you have kids and you realize that parenting is tough. Because it is, right? I wish I could change a lot of things already. A lot of mistakes. But can I tell you, I think it's one of the most important jobs on the planet. I'd put it up there with being a pastor of a church. is to be a parent that parents God's way. That's how much of a difference you can make. And so what, today I want, I want to talk about what, we, what, what can happen when we begin to focus on the family. Read with me in verse 1 in chapter 6. It says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Look at the first word that Paul uses here in chapter 6. Children. Almost like he's expecting the little ones to pick up God's word. And that need that there is a, a word just for the children this morning. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. When, when Paul starts digging into what is God's design for the home, what is God's design for the family, the first thing that he points out is God designed the home so children learn to obey from the heart. That children would learn to obey from the heart. That's in verse 1. Look what it says. Obey your parents in the Lord. That little prepositional phrase, in the Lord. What that means is the same way you obey the Lord, this is how you're to obey your parents with. And when you're looking at the obedience that the Lord is looking, at, looking for, in God's economy, the, the spirit of obedience is just as important as the act of obedience, right? Just ask Cain and Abel. He's looking at the heart. And so to quote Katie Dollar's dad, Pastor Rick Mitchell this morning, this is what he taught her. Obey right away, all the way. With the right heart attitude. Obey right away, all the way, with the right heart attitude. We obey God, y'all, because we love God. Amen. God is after an obedience that obeys out of the heart, meaning it is the child's delight to obey. And that's easier said than done. Because parenting, it's, it's hard. They're cute, right? They just they come with this sin nature. And they're selfish, even though Evelyn's the cutest little thing that can be. She's, she's, she's got this little sin nature. And it's hard. I can remember when Anne was just a little 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 thing, and, and, and I would be sitting there and, and watching TV, and she would keep trying to steal my phone. I'd say, no, don't steal my iPhone. 
and it was an iPhone. It wasn't an Android because you wouldn't want an Android, but it was an iPhone. And I was, and I'd say no, put put the you know put my phone down, and, and she would you know she'd take it and run away with it and giggle because you know it, it, maybe because I I'm more spending more time on the stupid phone than I am giving her attention. I don't know why she likes to steal the phone, but I would try to do this this gospel discipline where I'd, I'd take my hand and put it over her hand and I'd slap it really hard and it would hurt my hand and it wouldn't hurt her at all but the sound of it would kind of make her scare a little bit and then she realized it didn't hurt so it didn't that didn't stop her anymore it just hurt my hand so uh, you know so then I just started putting the phone higher up but she couldn't get it and then it dawned on me the four-year-old trained me to learn a new behavior who's training who here I'm no longer leaving the phone right here. I'm actually just putting it higher and instead of training her what to do and how to obey. And so little things like that, I had to start thinking about how, how I'm going to, to, to train my child. So the million-dollar question is then how do you get your child to obey right away, all the way, with the right heart attitude? That's the million-dollar question. And first off, Grace Church, we need to know that parenting God's way isn't a behavior control mission. It is a heart rescue mission. It's a heart rescue mission. You ever play Capture the Flag? This is Capture the Heart. That's really what it is. To get your child to obey from the heart, you have to capture their heart. You know why you love God this morning? For one reason. Because he first loved you. That's why we love God. And to get your kids to to obey you, you must first be delighted in them. Not in what they do. Not in their performance, but who they are. I would would go to Ann when she was little and and I'd say, Ann, why does daddy love you? Is it because you're pretty? And, 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 And she is pretty. But no, that's she said no. And why does daddy love you? Is it because you're smart? Y'all, she's very smart. I offered her $100 a couple weeks ago to memorize a bunch of stuff, and I thought it would take her like the rest of the semester, and she memorized it in two days. (laughs) Maybe I should have made it $10. She's very smart. Daddy, and why does daddy love you? Is it because you're funny? No. Why does daddy love you? And it really just boils down to one reason. Because who she is. She's my daughter. She's mine. The Lord has given her to me. And nothing that she can do can change that. She's mine. And that's why I love her. It's not based on how she does. She's going to let me down. It's who she is. She will always be my daughter. And maybe you have grown children today. And maybe they're 40 years old. Can I tell you? They still need to hear that. They don't grow out of that. They still need to hear that you approve of them. And they might have let you down in so many different areas. But you know what? At the end of the day, that's my son. That's my daughter. Nothing can change the way I love you because you're mine. How do you capture your child's heart? Number one, delight in them. Delight in them. Grace Church, you delight in your kids. Delighting in your kids means that you like them 
You actually like them. You don't just love them. You like them, and you want to spend time with them. It's actually the desire of your heart. You, you show delight for your kids with your eyes. You show delight for your kids with kind and loving words. You, you're quick to listen to them by welcome, welcoming them into your presence, giving them great big hugs. You know, John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, said something really, really heartbreaking one time. He, he, he said, I know that my father loves me, but he did not seem to wish me to see it. In a culture, especially inside church buildings, that seem to view kids as a burden in this culture that we live in. When me and Sarah meet with young couples that are talking about getting married and, and, and doing premarital counseling, we don't tell them how many kids to have. We just want them to view kids as the Bible views kids. It's that passage that, that, that Miss Faith read this morning. That, that Proverbs one, uh, uh, Psalm 127 says, Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. You, you, you want to look at an example of, of parents who have captured their children's hearts? One's probably watching online right now, and the other one's sitting right here. And I asked Mac Myers, I said, Mac... I can see it clear as day that your, your parents have not just your heart, but Vivian's heart and Clifford's heart. And how did they do that? How did your dad, why do you want to call your dad all the time? That's the way he told me. And I, I'm writing this down because I'm 41 years old raising kids in, in a culture that it's so easy to lose them. And he, and he says... You know, my dad's a really, he's a, he's, a, he's a busy man. He works hard. But whenever I came in to the room, he would welcome me, welcome, like welcome me into his presence. He had time for me. He could stop what he was doing and give me his full attention. Uh, my, my goal and Sarah's goal we don't want to just be their friends. Right? We want to be their friends 30 years from now. You know, Sarah's got this, this dream that she wants to like, which, which, you know, hey, sometimes you just, you got to leave and cleave. And you got to, you, your kids are going to move away and they're going to go over to a foreign country maybe as a missionary. But Sarah's dream is to have Ann and Kate and Evelyn's house like next door. <laughs> like the Wilson compound. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. Good luck. Uh, but that's, that's, that is, that is her. We, she wants them to be our friends in 30 years from now. That we genuinely like them. A child should never have to wonder what they must do to earn your approval. There's something called PKs, y'all, in ministry. Called, it's a, stands for a preacher's kid. And basically, it's just, just, it, it scares me to death. That, 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 the, that the kids that, that, you know, are under the, 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 and raised in the house of a, of a pastor and, and, a, and a Christian wife and mother, and they grow up and they hate the church and leave the church. 
And it's because their entire life, daddy and mommy prioritized the church over them. So it's like that stupid iPhone. You know, all all they saw was daddy sacrifice time with them to serve others. And I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning. Because I think Sarah Wilson is such a better parent than, than me. I'm learning how kids spell love. And it's not L-O-V-E, it's T-I-M-E. And nothing, dads, can, nothing can take the place of you being present with them. And I'm not talking about being in the room and being on your phone. I'm talking about being present where you're there. And you're engaged with them. How do you win their heart? One, you delight in them. Number two, pursue them. Something that I try to do, I try to, we try to do daddy dates. I'm a, I'm a girl dad, so I got three daughters. So we, we do daddy dates where we try to, if I have a day off, it's like I'm going to be taking them to breakfast or I'm going to be taking them to Olive Garden. Olive Garden is like me and Kate and Evelyn's, that's our thing. Sarah's not invited. And, and uh, it's just spent, spending that special time where, where I'm pursuing them. And then on the way there, I'm, 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 I'm engaging and coming up with questions. Almost like, almost like you would have to do when you were in high school and have one of those awkward dates. And you're, at, you're, you're trying to carry the conversation. You're trying to get to know them. Pursue them. Um, give them words of affirmation. Do things with them that they enjoy, that they are interested in. Mr. Cliff told me on Saturday mornings that was his day with his children. That Saturday mornings, you know, did two things. It blessed Myra probably by taking these kids out of, out of you know, giving her four hours to herself. But it, 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 that became some of the most special time that he wouldn't trade now for anything. With just him and his kids. And they would just go off and do something. Do things with them that they enjoy, that they are interested in. When they stop off crying upset, we want to go after them. We want to pursue them. That's why me and Sarah don't really do timeouts. Because timeouts is separating your presence from them. I don't think God ever disciplines us in that way. Uh, if they, it, it, Grace Church, if your children mess up, do they know that you will go after them? What if they really let you down and get arrested? They embarrass the family. Do they know they have a dad, a mom, that will go after them, that will pursue them? Because religion says, I messed up, dad's going to kill me. If you've been showing the gospel to your kids, they're going to think, I've messed up, I need to call mom and dad. That's the difference. A child learns the character of God by observing it in, in their parents. And, and so parents, to, to win their heart, it requires grace and love to first lay the foundation before we even talk about discipline. It's always grace, then law. It wasn't God's justice and discipline that led us to repentance. It was God's grace, God's kindness that won our hearts. And if you don't have that first and then you try discipline, you will lose them. Obey right away, all the way, with the right heart attitude. 
Obey right away. So we don't train our kids and count when we tell them to do something. One, two, 2.5, because that's delayed obedience. And that's not the kind of obedience that God is after. We're training them to obey right away. And, and all that is doing is, is, is training kids how, how, to, how close to the line they can go before the discipline kicks in. So parents, we need to realize that God is a God who commands children to obey their parents. And he's a God that commands parents to require obedience in their children. But to do that, you must first have their heart. The second thing that Paul points out here when it talks about God's design for the family is that in verse 2, God designed the home so children would learn to honor people that God has placed in authority. God has designed the home so children would learn to honor people God has placed in authority. Look at verse 2. Honor your father and your mother. Remember, this, this may sound familiar. If you just, We're going to get into Exodus chapter 20 here in Sunday school pretty soon. It's the it's fifth commandment in, in, in Exodus chapter 20. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. So honor, it means to, to value, to prize. Honor is earned when you capture the heart. If they sense that you enjoy them, they're going to respond, and, des- and the desire of their heart is going to be to honor you. I was talking to Jerry Newman about, he's got this new little dog named Moo. Anybody met Moo? Okay, this, this little dog's got Jerry tied around his little, little paw, okay? Um, and, and this is why. Jerry never trained Moo, and I, and I think I've talked with Joe Rotello about this. A good dog, you never train with treats. A good dog, you train, they just want to please you. And if, you, if, if that's the desire of that dog, it's going to be a great dog. When they can just, be, they just obey because they want to honor you. Because they want to just be close to you. Because they just want to please you. And that's why, that's why Moo has got Jerry tied around his finger. You know, the, the worst thing my dad could ever do to me was pull me to the side and say, John, you have disappointed me. You've embarrassed me. Because he had my heart. He was my hero. All I wanted to do was get good grades. Not really even for me, but, but just so he, that he would be proud of me. I wanted to go to the University of Florida because that's where he went. And so for him to say that, that you have disappointed me, I, I wanted to honor him. And here's the thing, church. God has designed the home to be the place where children learn to honor those God has placed in authority over them. But we live in a country where homes are just being broken and fractured all over the place. So guess what's not happening? You show me someone who doesn't honor their father and their mother, who doesn't learn how to honor, because the home is where they learn that. You show me someone that hasn't learned to honor and father their mother, and I will show you someone that that will not honor anyone in authority. They won't honor their teachers. They won't honor their pastors. They'll throw a grenade as they walk out the door to their church. They won't honor police officers. They won't honor government officials. I took my family to uh, Memorial Day weekend. We went down to Pier Park this past year on Saturday. I don't know if y'all remember what was going on. I told Sarah, we got to get out of here. This isn't safe. 
That weekend, I saw on the news that the, the police down in, in Panama City confiscated like 80 guns that weekend. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They had to close parts of Panama City. Like Walmart had to close the, the, do- the doors. They had to close down in the middle of the day because there were people, young people, running through the stores with their arms out, knocking everything off the shelves. Now, how in the world does that happen? Because they have never learned honor in the home. That's how that happens. God has designed the home where kids learned how to obey from the heart and to honor those who are in authority. And so when you turn on the TV and you see violence in the streets, what we're seeing is a generation of parents who weren't trained and weren't disciplined and weren't brought up in the instruction of the Lord who are now parents themselves who are not teaching those same things to their kids. It's a, all a fallout from rejecting this right here. That's all we're seeing on the news is a rejection of God's words and then there's consequences to that. When you break down the family, and Satan knows this. That's why he's attacking the family. That's why if you guys, you married couples, if you're on the, on the rocks, we need to get it right. Let's go to counseling. Let's, there's power in the gospel. Let's forgive. Let's get it right because the family, don't let, don't let Satan have a foothold. He's, he wants to uproot and destroy your families. And there is a lack of of honor in this country. And I know there's some people in here when I say honor your father and your mother and, you, and, and, they, and they're thinking, John, you have no idea what my father and mother did to me. And they, so come to Grace Group this week. We're, we're gonna, we're, let's, let's talk about how do you honor a father and mother that doesn't really deserve honor. Okay? But here's the, here's the promise. Here's the promise for these children. Children who learn to honor have a promising destiny. Look at the promise. It's the first command with a promise. So that, that purpose clause, so that it may turn out well for you and that you may live long on the earth. So children, here, here's the promise for you. If, you. if you honor your parents, this doesn't mean that you'll be a, a guaranteed that you'll have a long life, that you'll live until you're 95 years old. That's not what that means. It means that your parents have foresight that you don't have. They have gone through things that you have not yet. They have a vision about, about things. It's, it's why when you're 17 years old or 18 years old, you think your parents are the dumbest people on the planet. And then when you're about 30, you're like, my goodness, how did you guys get so wise? Right? Your, your, your parents are going to give you advice how to navigate the road ahead of you because they have been there and done that. And they can give you some valuable advice and counsel from God's word how to keep your ox from going into the ditch. But when you're young and you think you've got it all figured out, you, you just reject, no, 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 no. When they say don't touch the stove, I'll touch the stove. It can't hurt that bad. But they, they're, they're going to lead you and they're going to want you to go this way. And they need to be walking with God, by the way. Because if they're not walking with God, they might give you bad advice. But if they're walking with God and they say, this is the way you should go. This is going to be much easier for you. You're going to be hurt a lot less. You're not going to destroy your life. Don't go this way. You do this. This is going to destroy your life. And if you honor your parents and you 
value their counsel, what it means is there's going to be a promise for you that it will go well with you. You're not going to have to learn so many lessons through the school of hard knocks and destroy your life and shorten your life by doing something stupid. There's no accident. Y'all, you know, I'm a girl dad, so we watch... It's not that I don't let them watch Disney cartoons. We usually just pause it and then teach them the the fallacies here. So we'll, we'll be watching The Little Mermaid. You know, Disney just doesn't really ever uplift the family. Have you noticed that? The parents are always, one's dead or both are dead or it's just a father. It's always a broken home. Or if they have a dad, he's usually giving terrible advice and, and they think he doesn't know anything. Like Little Mermaid, Ariel, King Titan's given, given, you know, taking away her freedom and not letting her do anything. And he's just this overbearing, angry king. We'll pause it. We'll tell Anna and Kate, you know, Evelyn's probably not listening yet, but we'll say, Anna and Kate, y'all see? Listen, they're trying to make you think that your parents don't know what they're talking about. That Ariel, she's the one that's, that's, that's you know, just following her heart and they're, and they're just stomping on her parade. Uh, Moana does the same thing. There's an agenda that if you're not careful and you let, you let, you let media or Disney raise your kids, they're going to be indoctrinated with things that are anti-family, anti-biblical. Lastly, God's designed the home, according to Paul, so that parents would train their children to spiritual health. God designed the home so parents would train their children to spiritual health. Verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So just like in verse 1 where it says children, what does verse 4 start with? Fathers. Now, obviously fathers, this includes mothers. Not excluding you. Y'all are, I mean, Sarah, if it wasn't for Sarah, I don't, know if I could obey this passage because she, she's great at being a parent. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Any, anyone else ever think, wait, wait, can we get someone else to do this for us? This responsibility that God has actually said, fathers, Perry. This is what I want you to do. And then you kind of look around and see, like, is there anyone else in the church that can do this for me? You know, I am grateful to God for Colin Dollar and Katie Dollar and what they do with our young people. They, they genuinely care. They genuinely love the students. But at the end of the day, God didn't give calling this responsibility. He's here to help. Sarah and, and Carly and all our Grace Kid work, they're here to help parents. Because I know, I get it, I get it. I wouldn't be a Christian if it wasn't for my youth pastor. Doug Humanis would, don't think I would be a, 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 a Christian if it wasn't for him. 
So I am definitely not. I am pro youth group, youth ministry, kids ministry. They're here to help disciple and train and instruct the next generation. But if our job, if we think we can just come to church, drop our kids off, and we never train them and instruct them and then take them home, that we are obeying this, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid we're not. Because it's actually a command. Fathers, do not but do this. It's a command. That if we're not doing, we're actually in sin. Fathers, as the spiritual leader of your family, we will have to stand before the Lord one day and answer to how we have led our family. And so parents, if we're going to do anything about what's happening inside uh, church buildings in this country, what's happening in our communities, what's happening in our, in our nation, then parents, we, we have to understand that the primary purpose of our home is to train and disciple the next generation, our children. And we cannot outsource this to anybody else. It's our responsibility. If you're busy, I get it. You can hire someone to do the lawn care. You can hire someone to fix your vehicle. You can hire someone to repair the, 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 the house repairs. You cannot hire someone to do this for you. It just will not work nearly as effective as how God has designed it. And God has designed it. His way is the best way. And His way is saying, parents, especially fathers, train your children. Instruct them in the ways of the Lord. There's a, uh, there's a quote. I'm going to read it to you. It says, 75 to 88% of young people who grow up in the church today, okay? They're in youth group. 75 to 88% of these kids walk away from their faith after their first year of college or after high school. What... For that to happen, I'm convinced it has less to do with not being in a good youth group and more to do that parents aren't biblically parenting their children the way the Bible has commanded us to do. Studies show that kids are spending about 32 hours a week on social media, on TV, you know, listening to Spotify and and, and Pandora or whatever. 32 hours a week. Colin and Katie have them for an hour. How can they compete with that? Parents, we we get them for 18 years. And it it just seems like I just brought Ann home from the hospital on Thanksgiving Day. It was 10 years ago. She's about to be 11. We need to learn to count our days with them. At the end of your life, you won't want to work more. You're going to long for those Saturday mornings when you could have taken them out and spent that time with them. What a great calling and purpose that you have for your life. 
What a valuable contribution you can make, parents, for the kingdom of God. You can be the greatest influence in your child's life. But can I tell you that if it's not you, it will be someone. Let it be you. So how are we to parent biblically? Glad you asked. Paul says, do not provoke your children to anger or discouragement. So biblical parenting does not provoke to anger or discouragement. I get the discouragement from Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. It actually says the same thing. Fathers, do not provoke. Instead of anger, it actually used provoke to discouragement. Meaning they quit trying. They quit trying to honor you. They quit trying to please you. So provoke is the kind of word that you, that you would use when you're, you're fanning a, a, a small fire and you're trying to give it oxygen so it goes into a roaring fire. A fire. Provoke. Um, think of it this way. Um, about uh, when I first moved to Bonifay, I was helping the Awanas at another church and me and my business partner, Dr. Hooper, we took all the Awanas boys to Falling Waters uh, National Park over there, and, and uh, we had a big cooler of, of, um, of, of, of soda. And one of the kids was our hygienist little boy. It's actually Jonah Chitty's nephew. And so I thought it would be funny. I'm like, let's give him as much Mountain Dew as possible, Ernie, and see what happens. And so we, like all day long, we're at the park, and we gave him like six Mountain Dews. And the kid, and he's like, he's coming back for more, and I'm like, you know, well, here, eat, 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 eat this oatmeal cream pie, you know. And so he was going bonkers. And then we got to take him off, take him home and drop him back off to his mom. And he got, like she told me Monday, he got in so much trouble. He was, because I provoked him. Does that make sense? I provoked him. Grace Church, what, what do you think yelling at your child does? Who likes to be yelled at? Provoke to discouragement, it means to, to quit trying. Biblical parenting, it raises up instead of beats down. Overbearing parents who, who give their children no freedom, who criticize them, who abuse, neglect them, ultimately they're going to lose their heart because they're going to grow tired of walking on eggshells their whole life. Anyone else acknowledge that you wish there were some things that you could change in how you parented your kids? Okay, I'm going to be transparent and tell you a story. We were going, crying already, it's not going to be good. We were going to Birmingham and uh, this past year, I wish I could say it was 15 years ago, this past year, and I was, uh, imagine this, picking on Ann and Kate. I was, I, was te- I was teasing them. And I was especially teasing Ann. And Kate got mad, and she started yelling at me. Now, my disrespect meter just went through the roof. And if I, if I, if I was on the interstate, if I could pull over, I would have pulled over, and I would have spanked her in anger. But I couldn't, I couldn't get to her. And so I just I told her, you just wait till we get to the hotel in Birmingham, and you see what happens. All right? Sarah's trying to calm me down and tell, you know, like... I'm not having it. I am mad. I'm not going to let an eight-year-old yell at me. She's about to learn what honor is, right? 
So we get to the hotel, and i got to take a walk because I don't want to spank her in anger. So I, I leave, and I walk, and I'm kind of calming down, and I come back, and my wife tells me some more. You know, did anyone else's wife, does their voice ever sound like the Holy Spirit to you? <laughs> and so I, I, I end up not spanking her. But in the, in the way up to the hotel, I mean, she's, in the, she's in, the, in the elevator, and she's looking at me with tears in her eyes and saying, Daddy, I'm sorry. And I was so mad, I wouldn't even listen to her. I said, uh-uh-uh, don't even apologize. You're going you know, to get spanked. It took my, my heart a day for the Lord to convict me to, when, to where I realized that I provoked her. So we get back to Bonifay, and I take her back to my bedroom, and she, she thinks she's getting spanked. I, I put her on the bed, and I get on my knees. Me. You asked me to forgive you, and I refused. And I got, and I know I, I provoked you. I know I, uh, I didn't control my temper. And she gave me the biggest hug, and she said, "I'm sorry, yelling at you, y'all. You don't have to be perfect. I tell you that because you don't have to be perfect parents. But if you can own it when you mess up, that'll go a long way with capturing their heart." Because we expect them to live to a certain standard that we didn't even live to up ourselves. And so if you can humble yourself and ask for forgiveness when you mess up, you know, I don't, I mean, Kate's my little buddy to this day. And, and a lot of it, I think, has to do with that. You don't have to be perfect. Biblical parenting does not provoke to anger or discouragement. Biblical parenting, it, it, it does provide directions. It does provide directions. Verse 4, it says, But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. To bring up means to nourish to maturity, to train. Much like going to the gym to train an atrophied muscle. It takes time. It takes many reps. In a similar way, to train your kids, it takes it takes time. It takes many conversations. It's, it's hard work, but it makes your life so much easier. So like the Great Commission, as you go in the normal rhythms of, of your life, teach your kids what it looks like to, to live under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Sarah and I, we, we decided early on that we are not going to stop going to restaurants just because we have kids. We're going to bring them with us and do the normal things that we do, and we're going to train them how to act when we're there. And you can help set them up for success by while you're in a restaurant, playing games with them and playing I Spy with them and, and keeping them, you know, keeping them so they're not bored where they do act out. But you, you train them how to eat at a restaurant. Our lives will be so much easier if we train and instruct rather than just react and explode. So parents, when, when, I would suggest stop picking up your kids' messes and actually teach them how to pick up their messes. And you know what's going to happen? They'll stop making as many messes because they'll be like, I don't want to pick this up. Your life will be easier. 
When we're watching a movie like the Chronicles of, of, of Narnia and the white witch gives Edmund the little Turkish delight, I'll press pause and I'll say, Anna Kate, you see what, you see what that white witch is doing? She's trying to trick Edmund. And it looks good, right? That little Turkish delight looks good, but what's going to happen to him? You see, it's just like the Garden of Eden. That's what Satan does. When temptation comes your way, he comes and gives you an apple and he takes away paradise. Is that really a good trade? You can, the normal rhythms of your life, you can instruct them. That sin that is enjoyable at first, that it's going to destroy your life, that it's not worth it. You can instruct them that being a Christian means that when you go to school, you sit by that kid that doesn't have any friends at lunch. When you can instruct them uh, so that when you're teaching them how to uh, work hard with their hands to, to win the respect of outsiders. You teach them how to make a budget, how to say what taxes are, what is, what is better than to, or how it's better than to, to give than to receive. They need to be taught the dangers of greed, the dangers of debt, how to consider the ant. Teach them how to live within their means, how to be generous. Give them multiple tasks at the same time so that they have to learn how to manage their time well. There's, a, there's something that I've noticed that is lacking with, with when you're trying to make a hire and, 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 and just young people in general, and it's something called soft skills. And it's just looking people in the eye and being able to shake someone's hand. There's just like no confidence in some of these young people. You've got to teach them how to, how to do that. It's just, it just shows me that no one ever showed them how to shake someone's hand. How, how to let their yes be yes and their no be no. The primary way that your kids will learn this is not just hearing you lecture them about it, but watching you do it. They will learn where your joy comes from. They will see what you do to find peace and satisfaction. And if it's hunting, then when you tell them that Jesus is the living water, your lectures are going to fall on deaf ears. Young men need a father who teaches them how to work, not a father too busy working to teach them. Your job is to take the, the message of the Bible and press play in their heart language so that they can understand it and hide God's word deep in their heart so that they may not sin against the Lord. And some of the greatest advice that I can give you is that when you're at home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, don't eat in separate rooms and all spread out. You put this thing away, put the tablet away and sit down at the table and look each other in the eyes and this is where families communicate. It's where instruction can happen. It's where you pray together. It's not only where your physical nourishment happens, but it's where the spiritual nourishment of the family happens. It's at the table. And I think Amer families in America have gotten away from that. You'll be shocked about how many families do not even eat together, let alone have any kind of quiet time together. Biblical parenting not only provides directions, but biblical parenting provides discipline. Uh, something that, I, I, as, a, as a dentist, that drives me insane is when um, a, little, a little kid, not that the kid's scared, I get that, but the kid's scared and, and acting crazy in my dental chair. And then the parents over here in the corner trying to bribe them for bad behavior. You know what I mean? They, he, like little kids just try to bite me. And they're like, little Billy, I'll give you, I'll get you some milkshakes and we'll buy you a really cool present if you'd be still. 
I can't discipline their child. But when Ann did that, I took Ann outside, and Ann got spanked, and then we went back to the chair, and, and she sat down, and eventually she let me do it. Um, I know a lot of, uh, this is a, a touchy subject. I know a lot of parents do not spank. I get that, okay? Listen. Don't compromise with incentives for obedience if your child is throwing a temper tantrum. A, a temper tantrum. That's not gaining control of the child. The child's gaining control over you. And there are some parents in this, in this country that they, they want to be their kids' friends more than, than, than give the kid some discipline. They only give instruction. And listen to this verse very carefully. This is what the Bible says. This isn't John. This is what the Bible says. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. You know, now, there's another side of that. There, there are some parents who, who only provide discipline without instruction, and that is totally unfair. What, and what I'm learning, put this gold nugget in your pocket. What I'm learning, parents, is if you will, you can prevent having to ever provide any discipline by doing two things. Getting your kid to sleep when they need to sleep and making sure they eat when they need to eat. Most of the time when, 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 when Kate is falling apart and it's like I'm getting to the point where my patience is gone and she's about to get a little, little pop, it's because she just needs to eat. And, and you, you give her something to eat and it's all of a sudden that, you ever heard of hangry? It's, it's a real problem. And they never really grow out of it. Adults can, you know... They, they still need to eat and sleep, or they're, they're going to get grumpy. You'll, you'll notice you'll get more fights when they're not fed well and sleeping well. Okay? So, so that's a little gold nugget. Uh, before you react, make sure they don't just need a nap or they just need to eat something. Because all of a sudden, their behavior just pops right in line. It's, it's magic. Okay? But this, this is what I'm learning. I told you this is a journey for me. I'm learning this, that... Most parents, including me, are reactive rather than proactive. Remember when Dr. Allen said that the other day, a few weeks ago, how God is like that? God is proactive, meaning the kid is going crazy, and until they do something that's completely across the line, then dad explodes and gets up and pops them. I don't think that's biblical, because that's reactive, not proactive. Number two... If you don't first provide instruction, you no longer have a basis to discipline your kids because they never knew the way they should go and begin with. So no amount of discipline can make up a lack for a lack of training. Okay, let me say that one more time. No amount of discipline can make up for a lack of training. That's why I spank them and I spank them and it does no good. You ever hear someone say that? Because there's no training. No amount of spanking can train a child who does not feel safe and cherished by their parents. And so what if the, the defiant behavior persists? You know, I, I, I'm glad Ann is not in here. I've used my kids as examples here. But let me, let me show you one thing. That I'll tell you one thing that I had to do before we close. We were eating dinner when Ann was about five. And I said, Ann, you need to eat your broccoli. And, you know, because these cute little kids have a sin nature, she looked at me with this look on her face. She got her plate, and she just went and dropped it on the ground. 
Okay? And so I'm like, I'm keeping calm. I pick up her plate, and I pick up the same piece of the broccoli, because she's, she's still going to eat them, and she's going to have some more seasoning on it now. <laughs> and I put, it, I put it in front of her, because it, it's a battle for the wills, guys. And when they have a strong will that is bent towards evil, you're not trying to break their will, you're trying to bend their will to what's right. And so I put the, the food right back in front of her, and I got my phone out, and I put a timer on there, and I said, okay, Ann, here's the deal. This timer is good for a minute. And you have a minute to eat every piece of broccoli, or you're going to get a spanking. And we're going to keep doing this until you eat every piece of broccoli. So she just went like this for a minute. And so that went off, and I'm just keeping calm, and I took her over there, and I just popped her once. Bring her back. Put her right in front of the broccoli again. Put the timer on there. Put a minute on there. You know how many times she did that, guys? She did it five times. Finally put her up there and she ate the broccoli really quick. I hugged her. And I went around the corner and I cried. Because that's really hard. Your parents ever say they're doing something in love? I understand that now. But if you don't discipline them, the Bible says that you don't really love them. Is what it says. Spare the rod. He hates his son. Amen. A couple other things before we're done. Discipline is not meant for accidents if they're at dinner table and they spill the milk. That's not a heart issue. That doesn't deserve anything. That deserves, it's okay, we'll clean it up. I had to learn that. A spanking is is not made effective by its severity, but its certainty, y'all. You don't have to pop them hard. They just need to know that if they do this, there's a consequence. Never in anger. Can you honestly say, every time you've done it, it's never in anger? Because the Lord never disciplines us that way. Ever. It's always in love. Grace Church, I've got, I've got three daughters. The greatest disciples the Lord wants me to make, their names are Anne, Kate, and Evelyn. Unless something changes, Sarah and I, we won't, we won't have grandchildren with the last name Wilson. But we're not trying to pass on our last name. We're trying to pass on our faith. And the home, the reason why things are falling apart out there is because the home is no longer the primary place where faith is passed on. That's why we need to begin to focus on the family. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been providing financially but not spiritually. It's not too late to capture their heart. It's not too late to begin to instruct them and discipline in the ways of the Lord. And I love how the Old Testament ends. The last verse of the Old Testament, this is what it says. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that, purpose clause, I will not come and strike the land with complete destruction. That's what the gospel does. The gospel turns the hearts of fathers and parents to their children and their children to their 
It's what produces strong families. And when you have strong families, you're going to have strong churches in this country. And when you have strong churches in this country, it's going to make strong communities. And when you have strong communities, it's going to make a strong nation whose God is Yahweh. So Grace Church, let's begin to focus on the family. Will you stand with me, please? Father God, Lord, we come to you knowing, Lord, that this is a, this is a, a, a topic that, that hurts my feelings. But God, I, I pray for the parents in this building, God, that you would encourage them, God, that you would give them the strength that they need to parent biblically, God. God, I pray that, uh, that they would learn how to put their armor on, that they would pick up their sword and fight back. By sharpening these arrows, these gifts, these rewards that you have given them. And launching those arrows out in this dark world to be light. That they would make, their kids would make an impact for the kingdom of God. That they would, their children would, would take the banner of the Lord farther and further than they could ever. What a contribution to the kingdom by being a parent. And we thank you for this privilege this reward that you've given us, God. We give you all the praise and glory and honor. And we ask this in your holy name we pray. Amen. Grace Church, the Lord's laying something on your heart. I'll be up here. Mr. Cliff will be up here. You need some counsel, someone to pray with you, we would love to pray with you. There's peace.